0: Google held an event this week on Wednesday where the company announced several new products, including two new phones, a new smart speaker, and the Chromecast I've always wanted, or simply because it finally, and Jason, I mean finally, has a remote. It's, it's the most exciting thing they announced yesterday. So today, Jason Perlow and I are going to run down Google's latest announcements. I'm Jason Cipriani. This is Jason Squared. So Perlow, what exactly did Google announce?
1: So, Jason, this was an event that had a bunch of products. A lot of people have been waiting for a long time. And I also think that a few of these are going to kick off potentially a new Cold War, uh, (laughs) potentially even a hot war between the technology giants as they carve out uh, content and streaming ecosystems, which I think is going to be the big battle for 2021. So let's start with the Chromecast. Um, so the, the first thing that Google announced is an updated Chromecast streaming device, uh, which they're sh- referring to as the, the Google TV operating system, all right, which is a completely redone and revamped version of Android TV. Uh, incidentally, the, the new version of Google Play Movies on Android, the app, the app itself, is also called Google TV. Uh, which is kind of like what Apple has done with Apple TV. Um, It's an OS, but it's also an app. OK, and as you say, the device is a new streamlined TV controller. Uh, which looks kind of Roku-ish in the way yeah. in, the, in the overall design. Yeah. Do you remember
0: Google's AR VR headset that they had for Pixel for a while where you had a controller yeah. and you could play games? You put your Pixel phone in it, it's the same yeah. remote is what it reminds me of. They basically had all these leftover remotes from their VR headset that Shit. didn't take off and they repurposed them for this. Uh, it, it, there's some tweaks there, but the core design is the same
1: interesting. Okay. So what this product is, it it competes directly with the Fire TV sticks that Amazon recently announced. And of course, Roku, uh, which also refreshed their 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 products a couple of about a week ago and Apple TV, assuming now that the company ever releases a new model, because it's like two years old at this point. Um, It has its own version of Play Store, which has 6500 apps currently supported. And it has virtually every single streaming service Supported on it. Uh, with the exception of Apple TV Plus, uh, which if it has, I mean, if the device has a browser, I assume you can log into it that way, but I, you know, I haven't tested it yet. Um, it, it does have the HBO Max app built into it, which is quite notable. Um, Amazon Fire doesn't have HBO Max, uh, but I, you can hack it in there. You can sideload it. Um, and Roku, Roku doesn't have HBO Max. At all. Like yeah.
0: That.
1: Um, the, Which the is device shame. Dep- It is a shame. It is a shame because a lot of people who are, um, you know, AT&T customers that have been given this service as a benefit, like myself, can't use it uh, without it. So um, that's why I'm getting off of Roku and I actually ordered a Chromecast because I wanted to finally start to making use of it. Um, the device definitely looks like it has potential. Um, I haven't been happy with Google's previous streaming box offerings. Uh, they started doing this stuff about ten years ago. Uh, they had Nexus Q and Android TV and the old style Chromecast, which is your phone. To, you know, uh, none of those work particularly well. Um, the only thing this thing doesn't do yet is support Stadia, but you got to kind of assume that that's going to be coming down the pike.
0: Yeah, you can sideload Stadia on it, so the support definitely is going to be there because. It right. runs once you sideload it. So I've actually okay. been using the, the technical name, the marketing name, or whatever you want to call it for this, is Chromecast with Google TV. So I've been using the new Chromecast with Google TV uh, for the last three or four days, and it truly is the Chromecast I've always wanted. It, it has its own interface, so you're not left with using a phone to try and control what you're streaming, right? So if my kids wanted to watch something with the old Chromecast, I had to either have a dedicated phone or tablet that they could learn how to use and then put content on um, or always put something on for them. Now, there's an actual interface. It looks a lot like Fire TV OS to me, but more refined and a little bit better designed. And that remote, it's simple. You know, it, It's a remote that controls it. Again, don't have to use your phone. And what's interesting to me is Google TV actually runs on top of Android TV. So this is an update that has the potential to roll out to existing Android TV devices in the future. And now Google wouldn't tell me which devices were going to receive that. I don't think they truly know. They said they're gonna start looking at an upgrade path to some older devices sometime in 2021. And then in 2022, every device that launches will have Google TV. So this is gonna be a slow, slow play, slow rollout by Google, which I don't know how I feel about that, especially if they have such a good lineup and and everything else going into it. But it's nice to see at least Google is attempting to compete in this space.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, like I said I did order one out of curiosity. Um, I also ordered the new Amazon Fire Stick, uh, that was announced a couple of days ago. So I'm gonna try, you know, both and see which one I like better. Um, I'm sure I'll like Google's user interface better. Uh, you know, I, I had no love for the Fire TV operating system and its its interface, but it, um, it's gonna come down to how easy it is and to log on to all the services that I use, and whether or not on all, all the other Google apps and the app store are going to make any kind of a difference uh, for me. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see the comparison. Um, they do integrate some live TV stuff into the Chromecast with Google TV, but you have to have a YouTube TV subscription, which I don't. So I haven't been able to test that. Right um, Now, another item they announced yesterday was a new Nest audio speaker. And I know you're big into speakers, wireless speakers and, and uh, Sonos type products around the house. What do you think of the Nest audio
1: So, this thing is effectively uh, a a beefed up Google Home uh, speaker, right? It's about 75% louder than the previous device, uh, the Home and the Home Max, right? Uh, It it seems that they're targeting this towards uh, potential customers of both the generation four Amazon Echo and also the current Sonos one with Alexa. Uh, You know, more so Sonos uh, because the two companies are now in the midst of litigation. Uh, as Sonos brought a lawsuit against Google for patent infringement this week um, as it relates to their wireless audio technology, right? Uh, Google made a big point in this event of demonstrating multi-room audio, which is a major feature of Sonos. Uh, You can pair speakers for rooms, you can do a lot of the stuff that Sonos does, but for a whole $99 for a single speaker setup. Um, That's half the price of the Sonos one with Alexa voice control. Which costs about $199, so so you know it's it's half the price of a comparable entry level Sono speaker, um, and it's clear to me that so that Google wants to take over you know a multi room high audio space. Absolutely, that's.
0: Yeah, my my impression of the Nest Audio is a giant yawn. I I, <laughs> I could not be more bored with that announcement. I mean, most of that stuff they announced, there may be some new features here and there, but you could already do that with Google Assistant speakers. You could already play audio in multiple rooms. All that stuff was done. Like, the most compelling, and I don't even know if it's compelling, the most interesting aspect of the whole Nest Audio announcement pairs in with Amazon's recent announcement of the new Echo speakers, and it's that both companies, at the same exact time, redesigned the style and look. Of their smart speakers. So instead of looking like a cylinder speaker that we've known and used for years, Amazon has a sphere now. So it's basically a a giant ball sitting on your counter. Whereas Google's Nest Audio looks like a pillow that you stand up on its end. And so I don't know what the timing is coincidental, or if there was something that went into like market research. It's really weird to me that both of them changed their design at the same time. I like the look, of the Nest Audio better than I like of uh, the new Echo uh, Sphere, but am I going to put one of these in my house? Probably not, and it's not because I don't no, for no other reason than I don't I don't use it. It's it's just nothing. I don't know. I already have Sonos, and like I said, I could already do this with Google Assistant speakers, which I have plenty of that sit unused.
1: Yeah, look, I, I'm an Alexa and a Sonos person. I'm I'm not the target customer. Um, you know, Google hasn't been hugely successful in this space. Frankly, neither has Apple, uh, but you never know. I mean, this is an Alexa world that we're living in. Um, as far as the industrial, as far as the industrial design goes, I don't see any uh, thing that that either Amazon or Google has done as far as to improve sound fidelity with the industrial design. They're strictly aesthetic changes, and then it's not like loudspeaker technology has fundamentally improved in the last, you know, 20 plus years, right? I mean, we're still using the same, you know, type of uh, loudspeaker basic designs, right? So, uh, you know, it, until we start seeing major technological changes in how loudspeakers work, I don't think we're gonna see a ton of innovation in this space beyond just the, the connectivity these things are doing and, and whatever potential cloud innovations or potential machine learning, offloading that, that they're gonna do. I mean, I, 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 I don't see tremendous techno progression with these things going forward unless something major occurs
0: yeah that's why they're so boring right now right uh so google also announced a couple of phones Um, we have we already kind of knew what these phones were going to be when they announced the pixel 4 back in august and released it in september or no they released it in august as well Uh, they also announced that they would be in revealing a Pixel 4a 5G as well as a Pixel 5 soon. So at the event, they took a few minutes and they announced both phones, which is a kind of a new territory for Google with being, instead of on the high end where the Pixel line has been for the last few years, pushing $1,000 per phone, they've been a little bit under that, but they've been competing right near that $1,000 mark depending on storage amounts. They've now backed off of that. So you have the Pixel 4a, which, like I said, launched in August for three forty nine. dollars It's a decent phone, has a lot of good qualities to it. The camera is amazing. The screen looks great for a $350 phone. And now you have the Pixel 4a 5G at $499 and the Pixel 5 at $699. So these are... I like to call them high-end, mid-range phones, especially the Pixel 5. You know, they have the same Qualcomm Snapdragon 765G processor, which gives them 5G connectivity. The Pixel 5 has both sub-6 and millimeter wave technology, which is why it's more expensive. I, I read a report yesterday that the uh, millimeter wave chip in the 5 cost a hundred, or added a hundred dollars to the overall cost of the phone here in the U.S., which is insane because millimeter wave just isn't that prevalent right now. So the choice of adding that, I don't know. Um, they have, you know, the, the displays are a little bit higher res than the Pixel 4. Uh, you're gonna have uh, two cameras on the back, 12 megapixel regular camera, 16 megapixel wide range camera, wide angle camera. Uh, there's a new Google Assistant feature that will put calls on hold for you if you call like one your right. number to yell at your internet provider because the internet's out again, like I do very frequently. As soon as it detects that you're on hold, or you can do it yourself, it'll actually wait on hold for you so you can go do other things and then let you know when someone picked up and is ready to talk to you. Uh, There's some other camera features like Night Sight comes to portrait mode. Overall, they're not the most compelling phones and maybe it was just because we didn't have a full length event to see the features truly laid out. It was a really almost gimmicky video that Google used to announce these phones. Um, So maybe we just don't get the whole picture yet, but they they seem like solid updates compared to the Pixel 4, which, as you know, Jason, and have reported on, fell pretty flat. Um, I think probably the biggest feature worth pointing out is the fingerprint sensor is now back, Face ID is gone, and the sensor is on the back of the phone once again. So they've gone away completely from that, and they're back to a fingerprint sensor.
1: Well, you know, Jason, I, I had a $600 credit burning a hole in my wallet at Google store. So I finally decided to pick up the Pixel 5. Uh, I really hope that this is a better phone than the Pixel 4, which in my view was a complete disaster. Um, It was way too battery thirsty, and I felt it was memory underpowered. Now, uh, this particular phone has 8GB of RAM, so it should perform better. Sure. Uh, I I don't know. It's a Pixel. I can't exactly get worked up into a love fest, right? Uh, the the Project Soli stuff that they removed uh, is no huge loss. Right. Uh, it was a massive power drain, and it's not like anyone really liked Google's implementation of Face ID anyway. Uh, and it's not like anyone who really likes using it when wearing a mask now, so good riddance, right? Uh, the gesture control thing was stupid. I don't think anybody used it. Um, I'm definitely bummed that they yanked the machine learning chip. Uh, the Pixel Neural Core. Yeah. Uh, but supposedly, uh, the 765G Qualcomm chip is fast enough to do it with just in software. Uh, the screen is, again, slightly better than Pixel 4, but not enough to be noticeable in terms of, of, of pixel density. Um, it's a full HD screen, not a quad HD screen like we see on the nicer Samsung phones. So, yeah, uh, Pixel 5 is uh, Pixel 3.5. <laughs> Whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and look. Uh,
1: I mean, I like, you know, uh, whatever.
0: It's it's very clear by now that Google really hasn't found a hit with the Pixel line except for maybe the Pixel 3, which they sold reportedly a bunch of, that has been like their their best-selling Pixel to date. So it makes sense that they start moving towards the low end, right? If, If they're finding success, they're taking features out which is why we don't see the Quad HD screen, which is why they're locked to a 90 hertz refresh rate and they didn't bump it up to 120 hertz on the 4A 5G and the Pixel 5. Uh, You know, all these little features, the neural core engine is gone. Uh, Face ID, Project Soli, all that stuff's gone is because they have to hit a certain price point and hopefully compete. But one thing that I thought was interesting is, like AT&T, for example, said they're going to carry the phone, but they're not announcing availability dates yet. And that isn't a good sign when your carrier isn't on board the day well of they're only committing to like
1: they're only committing apparently to like a production run of like a total of like a million devices from what google I google is or google yeah, yeah. Google yeah
0: yeah so i mean it's a safe bet if that's the case i didn't i didn't see that uh it's a safe bet on their part because they'll probably sell a million of these i i think that's kind of around where they've been yeah. with previous models but when when a you know, the Pixel 4 launched across all carriers. This is the first time that it had happened with the Pixel phone. And already by the next cycle, one of those carrier partners is saying, yeah, we're going to carry it, but eh, maybe next month. You know, or we're not ready to say when. Granted, the Pixel 4a 5G was announced, but you can't pre-order it yet. Google, as far as I know, hasn't said when it'll go on sale. I think you right. can join a wait list. And it's supposed to ship, rumor is, sometime in the middle of November. Uh, whereas the Pixel 5... Is available for pre-order and will start shipping towards the end of the month. Or if in some, I think there's eight countries outside of the U.S. It's shipping in the middle of October. So maybe AT and is just waiting until both devices are truly available to announce it. I don't, I don't know. It just
1: I feel like we're working with a Kickstarter project, not a freaking Google project. To be perfectly frank, it with these
0: it, it kind of feels that way. It feels, yeah, it, you know, for a while we've talked about whether or not Google is. Google's Pixel team is lost. And I think this announcement feels like they are lost, but they're kind of starting to see where to go with it. It's just, unfortunately, it's going to take a while to get there. But we say that every year with the Pixel, every year with the Pixel line. So I don't know. It Look, there's some of my favorite Android phones released every year. I still have the 4XL. I still use it almost every day. It's it's not the best phone Google has released, but there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, so I'm excited to see what the Pixel 5 brings to the smartphone in- industry as a whole. Uh, they have pushed some stuff forward software-wise, uh, made vendors do you know some stuff kind of like Microsoft does with the Surface lineup. Uh, but overall, man, it's just a wait-and-see approach now, I guess, huh?
1: Yeah. So, so, Jason, you know, aside from all these devices that they showed us, right, uh, my main takeaway from all this, especially if, if you bring it in the context of what Apple and Amazon have rolled out over the last month, is that it's really very clear, right, that a content and services war is about to be waged. Uh, and now the consumers have to make some very clear choices about what ecosystems they want to be part of and which services go along with those ecosystems. So let's, uh, let's for example, let's take this entire HBO Max thing, uh, which AT&T owns and which appears to be a battleground point. It, it's, it's not part of Amazon or Roku, uh, but both Google TV and Apple TV have it, um, as do a bunch of the smart TV platforms such as, you know, Samsung's. Um, if you're an AT&T customer, you might be getting that service for free as I do. Uh, so you want to be able to take advantage of it. Now on the flip side, you have Apple TV Plus, which runs on their own box, but also on Roku, but also on Amazon and a bunch of other smart TVs. So Apple is doing services bundling now, right? Which makes the prices of these streaming services such as CBS and Showtime more attractive. But you have to watch them through the Apple TV app in order to do that, because the subscription is right. activated through Apple TV and your Apple, and your Apple, uh, you know, ID. Um, Now, I haven't determined how I would sign on to them if I were to use a Google TV. Uh, I know I can do it on an Amazon, but I'm about about to find out. Uh, Now, you've also got, you know, Disney itself playing the bundle game with Hulu and ESPN. And that doesn't even take into account all the ecosystem services bundles like Apple One, which is going to be launched soon. And whatever Google decides to do with Google 1 to compete with it, and of course, whatever Amazon wants to retaliate with, right? Because you know that's going to be coming. Um, I I also wouldn't put it past Amazon to defensively buy Sonos, which currently has a market cap of about $2 billion. Now, it makes sense for them to do that because Sonos is already an Alexa device. By the way, it also can act as a Google Assistant device. I wasn't aware of that. Yep. and I'm sure they would love to see Google on the losing side of that lawsuit or, or at the very least they want to see, see them settle it. At um, any case, I'm totally fed up with having to figure out which streaming box gives me all the services I want <laughs> to use. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm going to start stuffing my HDMI inputs with different boxes just so I can get onto what I need. Um, you know, we didn't used to have to do this with no. cable TV. It did used to be this difficult. So I, I, I'm, Kind of sick of this. I just want my <laughs> services on. I just want to be able to log into everything that I own yeah. on one box, on one interface. That's, I, but you can't do that.
0: No, you can't. And I think that's worth a show in and of itself is complaining about how complex streaming and cutting the cord has become. And it truly is. Right? We,
1: we, 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 we decouple television from broadcast and look whether that got us.
0: Yeah, it took a few years to get to this point, but you're right. The thing I take away yeah. out of everything you just said, Perlolo, is the repetitiveness of companies using the same name, Apple TV, Google TV, Apple One, Google One. It it goes down the line. It it, it just, can't they be original? Why do they have to keep copying each other when they get to naming a product?
1: Yeah, unless you're you're Amazon, everything is prime.
0: (laughs) Yeah, everything's prime for making money for them. That's about it. Prime.
1: Well, that's interesting. You know, you have to start now, start thinking about, oh, who's your poison? Do you want to be Google's poison? Yeah where where google is harvesting your information in in, in return for for you know exchanging you for some cheap devices that cost fifty dollars to stream your crap you know whereas that thing could cost two hundred dollars if it wasn't monetized right um which what apple does right apple charges you two hundred dollars for their streaming box but they don't try to monetize the hell out of you right um and amazon monetizes you by selling you shit selling you crap (laughs) selling you stuff um And I kind of don't, I kind of prefer Amazon's model. I actually prefer Apple's model, right? Okay, I'm going to pay a little bit more for Apple, but they're not going to monetize the heck out of me in terms of, of, you know, constant ads and and trying to suck my information down and all kinds of weird crap like that.
0: Yeah, I think think it goes a long way to say that probably the most exciting and at least intriguing product that Google announced yesterday to you and I and judging by you know, social media yesterday, is the new Chromecast. And we're only having this streaming conversation because Google is finally serious about a streaming box, right? Android TV never really took off. Chromecast is $50, so it's super affordable, 4K, Dolby Atmos support, like, it's a solid device. And so, you know, in, with Google TV redesign, it, like, we're in it now. And, and you're right, there's going to be a lot of competition. And uh, I, I can't wait to see how it plays out.
1: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting war. Uh, it's also going to be very interesting to see what uh, the regulatory authorities start doing in the next few weeks as well. We're going to start seeing potentially some antitrust against Google. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's going to be a wild ride in 2021 with, with all this stuff. For well, sure.
0: hopefully not as wild of a ride as 2020.
1: <laughs> no, no, I would not. I would like to be less wild.
0: Well, hey, yeah, seriously. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Jason Cipriani.
1: And I'm Jason Perlow.
0: And this is Jason Squared. Make sure to check out more of our work at ZDNet.com.